Astronomy Books with Chris Wilcox on episode 399 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky, and this podcast is for everybody who loves going out under the stars. So stay tuned to the end because we're going to give away a huge planisphere thanks to Chris. So I'll just do a brief introduction, and then we will get going. For almost three decades, Chris Wilcox has been a bookseller, and in 2021, he ventured into the world of amateur astronomy and bought his first uh, vocation along for the ride with him. Chris says, when I peer into space, this is what I like to think about. Generations of humanity looking out, reckoning our place in the universe. So welcome to the show, Chris. Great to have you this morning. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. And you are in uh, Sylvan, North Carolina. Did I get that correct? Yep. And yep. how how's the weather there this morning? It looks a little dreary out the shop window. It's rainy here in the in the temperate rainforest, the Southern Appalachians. Oh. Clear skies may be coming up midweek. We'll see. Nice. Does it snow there? Are you far enough north yeah, for snow, yeah. or is it? Yeah, yeah we yeah. don't get uh, don't get a lot. It, the we have almost a vertical kilometer of relief here, so. Oh. Uh, it's it's variable uh, by by elevation. The the ridge tops pick up a fair bit, uh, particularly along the Tennessee line. It's favored for some accumulation, but down here in the valleys, uh, don't get quite as much. No, it looks uh, yeah, it looks a little bit greener out your window than mm -hmm. it looks out my window. That's for sure, to say the least. So um, maybe we'll just uh, get started with a couple. Uh, basic questions about the bookstore. Just tell us uh, about your bookstore. Uh, what's the name of the bookstore? And uh, yeah, just uh, let us know uh, a little bit more information about it. Well, with with apologies uh, to the beat writers and dark sky enthusiasts, we are City Lights Bookstore. Um, uh, I, I say apologies to the beat writers because there's a legendary bookstore, the same name in San Francisco. Um Free speech advocates, uh, home of the home of the beat poets, and Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and the like. So we're not that one. We're we're uh, City Lights in Silver, North Carolina. Cool. And so uh, you, you were saying it's a fairly small community there, I I believe, but you get lots yeah. of people coming in for the uh, Smoky Na Mountains National Park that's near. Yeah, the Great Smokies are are nearby. Um, and, and the Blue Ridge Parkway. So we got, we got a lot of visitors, a lot of visitors. But yeah, the town's only about 3,000 folks. So and I'm, I'm thinking you guys are kind of like on the main street there in case anybody's taking a swing by Sylvan. Yeah, yeah. Come see us if you're in, in the in the area. We're uh, just one short block up the hill above Main Street. Cool. And, and Chris, is there a website for people to check out if they're interested? There is. Uh, City Lights NC um dot com and there's a our, our sort of alter ego uh since i've gotten into astronomy is catching light and uh oh. there's some, some drop downs under there some sort of curated lists of um mostly books uh a few other things i've got uh amateur astronomy i've got uh young stargazers um the few telescopes i've got and um, pages for planetary science and space flight and more of the kind of astrophysics type stuff. This is so cool. One of the things yeah. that you and I have been email, actually probably half of our emails have been on the uh, Quest Star 
Oh, that, yeah. Uh, that, Thank that, you yeah. for I, I encouraging me to keep note. that. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the Quest Star that you have uh, rehabilitated? Yeah, well, it's um, I just found it. A longtime friend, fellow shopkeeper here in town, uh, Livingston, uh, Livingston's photo um, had that. I, I, I was in his shop one day. I think I was looking for a like a $2 item and uh, noticed a very handsome tripod across the room, uh, which I certainly was not in the market for. And uh, he said, you know, you get that Lenhoff um, for 800 bucks you know, for 300 bucks more. I'll throw in this little telescope over here. Ooh, <laughs> wow. said, oh, show me. What, what are you talking about? And there it was a little Mac with the beautiful star map dew shield and, like, oh, I've heard about these. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, I took it, that off his hands. <laughs> it, it was in, was it in, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was in a little bit of rough shape though when you, when you picked it up. Yeah, there was, there was uh, dust on the, on the corrector and a little corrosion on the base, but you know, 1965 quartz, it was, uh, some pretty good shape. I've had it out a few times. I, I you know, it it's quite a quite a lunar and planetary instrument. I can imagine. What uh, what have you been able to look at with it so far, and how sharp are those optics? Oh, I uh, had a uh, few sessions with uh, the moon, and um, got a shadow transit of Io, I believe. Um, uh, just, just as as good as our uh, lackluster seeing will permit. So. <laughs> Chris, did, did that come with all of the um, sort of uh, like observatory and a briefcase no, accessories? No, no, okay. that okay. that Lenhoff. It's it's not. That's a stout tripod for it. It's, uh, uh, but it did not come with the you know the tabletop equatorial legs. Um, or or anything I, I i've got to get up with them and uh yeah yeah flush out the kit does it have the built-in barlow as well yeah. as solar filter no 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 oh, it's, uh, okay you you can get in trouble with that if you because you know it's got the um yeah it doesn't have the uh i guess the, the way they do that with the solar is there's a it also covers the finder because you can flip you've got two little levers one flips between the finder um which kind of bypasses the lenses to a little mirror underneath um and so you you got to be you could you could put a um you know white light filter on it but if you flip that and inadvertently flip that lever you can all of a sudden be oh looking at the sun through the finder Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's no good yeah i've uh i've always been so intrigued by the quest stars they just look so neat with the you know the machining aspects on the back with all the little knobs and buttons and uh i've always thought that that would be a wonderful telescope to own so i'm living vicariously through you right now (laughs) it it sits there on our shop floor uh remove the price tag and it's uh it's a conversation piece and it you know you can pick it up and take it out on the sidewalk for a, a quick session i i uh it may come home with me when I get it, when I get the kit finished up. But. Right on. 
that that would look so killer in the shop. There's no way you can get rid of that, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially with kind of like the patina on it that makes it, you know, it, it presents like it's lived its life. You know, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool looking scope. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, your astronomy and and how you first got started. How, how did you get interested in uh, in doing visual astronomy, Chris? Well, I I, I um. I've kind of reduced this. This may be a little contrived, but I've kind of reduced this to a, a, a statement. Twenty twenty one. So the failings of humanity finally pushed me into astronomy. The triumphs of astronomy then pulled me back to humanity. So, <laughs> what I mean by that, uh, living in the mountain south in twenty twenty one, I um, I was getting pretty down on humanity um yeah. we had uh, uh just some crazy shenanigan shenanigans politically here in the states and mm -hmm. oof i needed i needed some respite uh, so yeah um uh, my partner herb and i have uh sheep and goats uh, and a couple great pyrenees that, that look after them at night um perfectly capable of looking after them but um i started going out at night and so i'm going to go check on the critters and um we'd go for a walk down to the pasture and started looking up um i would grown up here under dark skies so i'd certainly looked up before but uh, just it started drawing me in more and more um eventually started taking some binoculars with me and uh, just spending more time looking at the sky and, um, yeah. Uh, and that sort of over that year organically, um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a decision. It's like, Oh, I need, I need astronomy as medicine for <laughs> my stress here. Uh, I, I just more and more I, I, that, um, summer, my aunt Anne said, you know, for my birthday, why don't you take me stargazing? Cool. And I, I don't think I'd even mentioned that I was uh, going out at night or anything. You know, it's just uh, coincidence that she came up with that idea. So we we went up on the Blue Ridge Parkway one night and uh, some some recliners and a pair of binoculars and just enjoyed that. I, I still ignorant of a lot of the uh, a lot of this guy. I mean, I'm sure I'd spotted Cassiopeia before, but she was like, "Oh yeah, there's Cassiopeia." oh yeah um and i think somewhere that that year uh i just i think i discovered your podcast early on that was a that was influential um that fall i herb sensed what uh what these sessions were doing for my my well-being and said you know for why don't you combine budget for uh christmas and birthday and we'll go ahead and pick out a telescope and so that was fun getting getting to i hadn't i hadn't discovered uh, the backyard astronomer yet but i did did some research and um yeah wound up picking out a little celestron 6se cool cool, very yeah, those, cool. those are great telescopes yeah yeah it was a good one to get going i i um i thought the schmidt cassegrain would be good for versatility um Herb maybe hoped I would get into imaging. I, I 
I haven't really, but um, it, it seemed like it had potential for a starter uh, for for some photography. But um, and the and the go to maybe this is a cop out. I I I'd, I'd read that um, you know some folks get frustrated starting out not not being able to find their targets, and I thought well we'll we'll start out with a go to and let the let the computer and the the model sort of help out. Uh, what you did, I think, it maybe got me over the over that initial hurdle. Nice. I, I like what you said there about being frustrated with some of the things here on Earth, and then sort of taking respite in what's above. I, I can't remember who said it, whether it was Barnard or, or somebody else said. Uh, you know, the great thing about astronomy is that it removes us from the bounds of the merely personal, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always like that phrase. That's pretty cool. So you uh, get, get go ahead. I was just going to say the the other part of that. I I didn't I didn't um, really finish that. The, so I think astronomy has pulled me back to humanity. It, it, it did the job at first, just taking me away from Earthlings and you know deep space and time. Uh, but then you know as I started turning to my uh, expanding reference library and learning about what i was seeing it dawned on me that i was like oh this is this is a pretty good um understanding that our species is has come up with with deep space and time and you know ancient people had very sophisticated understanding of um you know how to mesh the solar and lunar cycle the the cherokee here right here um and and Southern Appalachians and the the Mi'kmaq up in, in the Maritimes, you know, the, these folks had this figured out. And once we added, as a species, added the the written word and were able to um, apply higher math, you know, it, it figured out a lot. There's still big mysteries, but uh, we figured out a lot. And it, so, so it sort of um, restored my faith in humanity a little bit to um, – to consider what we've achieved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. You know, I, I, I still get respite when I take my telescope out. And even if it's just in the backyard, it really does help with my day-to-day -day stress, uh, you know, that I incur at work and in other areas of my life. And there's just something about astronomy where I, I'm able to tune all of that out because I'm so fascinated with what I'm looking at, yeah. uh, as well as, you know, just the fun of finding some of these objects and then of course the beauty of them. So I can totally relate to that. And, uh, you know, it's part of my kind of my mental health therapy routine, I guess that I have mm -hmm. personally, and it really makes a difference for me. So, uh, I'm glad you said that. As, as somebody who spent, uh, the past five years of of their life dedicated to supporting people's mental health. This really brings joy to my ears to hear. <laughs> because one of the first things we tell people is when they're when they're experiencing uh, sort of a downward trend in their emotional state is to uh, partake in the activities um, which do bring them joy and to reach out to family and friends. But if that's not enough to to reach out to other resources like mental health professionals, so very cool. Very cool to hear that. Um, Chris, you mentioned binoculars. I think it was the C6, correct? Yep. And the uh, and the Quest Star we talked about. You also have a Dobsonian? Yeah, I've got a, um, the main one I use now, primarily just on my deck and a, a pretty narrow 
window through the the treetops uh the eight inch uh, orion sky quest nice uh, very nice yeah those are those are nice scopes that's a total manual scope i think yep, yep. very nice and so with these instruments and and with where you live what what are the objects that you most enjoy observing through these instruments well um and i said we we uh don't have great seeing here but um um i i i like it all i, I after three years i should i should have come up with a, a specialty right and, and some focus but um you know those open clusters are dazzling the faint fuzzies are i i think they're fun for what kind of what they represent and maybe maybe i don't have the aperture to get a whole lot of detail and structure on those but they're they're fun to hunt down um but i think even though we don't have great seeing i, I guess i sort of gravitate if you will toward the the nearby stuff just because it's a little more dynamic um mm -hmm. and opens up more more opportunities uh you know if it's clear on the full moon oh well you don't have the long shadows but you can go out and look at the the ray craters you know or uh, um uh, i don't know just just tracking the galilean moons um um yeah i guess uh i guess a little little drawn to the lunar and planetary stuff I, I just just joined alpo although i don't know if i've got the the rigor to hang with those folks they're uh, they really get into the into the nitty-gritty i don't think any of our astronomy groups are all that exclusive to be honest we we could not afford to be we would have no members <laughs> That's cool. Uh, one of the experiences you you wrote about once, and you were kind enough to send some photos, is um, you went to like an astronomy center way up on a mountain ridge or something. Can before we get into this the the books, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, yeah. about where that was and and about that experience? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a member of the Asheville Astronomy Club, a busy busy club. Um, based oh Asheville's about an hour well 45 minutes from Silva about an hour from home and they've got a couple of observatories um one right on the edge of of uh Asheville a city of what 60,000 70,000 plus uh sort of a uh, partnership with University of North Carolina Asheville um but then they've got a um a remote ridgetop spot um Grassland Mountain Observatories wonderful facility a roll-off roof they've got a what is it i think a 16 inch mccassa grain on a on a pier with a, a six inch stella view apo um and this is called the look at observatory i'm just no no that one's that one's oh. the one at unca um, oh okay um they do outreach they do public stargazes at both these facilities um, oh sorry i didn't mean to confuse things <laughs> the the one up um uh, uh on the ridge top in remote Madison County, it's a it's it's a two hour drive from Silva, a bit more than that from home, so I don't go that often. Um, but they've I've been to a couple of their public stargazes and you know set up a scope on the they've got a nice big concrete apron around the um, the observatory building. Um, so usually club members will set up scopes and people can can look through the the big ones in the in the observatory but also see what what 
members have on on view out, outside. Um, went okay. up there one, once with uh, uh, club president uh, Knox and uh, another member, Sean, are both experienced imagers, and I tagged along a cold January night, and they were going to go chase, uh, what was that, Comet 2022-something-something ZTF. That's uh, it. Uh, so it's a, it's a neat spot up there. I got the uh, I got the link. I got to send it to Shane. I'm not sure if he's had a chance to find that yet. But it's up. I don't know. It's uh, around five thousand feet, maybe. It's up, it's up near the Tennessee line. Um, it's not not super dark. Portal Portal Three, Portal Four, something like that. Yeah, it's about like my cabin. That's good. That's mm-hmm. a good spot though. Mm-hmm. Stellar view, six inch. Acromat Mead, sixteen inch McCassick green. And it looks like there's some big pads out there for people to set up their own gear on in front of the room. Yeah, rail. yeah, they've got that. And they they um they even have like a I guess they got a bulldozer up there when they're developing and pushed up a big uh berm between yeah, they've got parking the parking on one side and then you just walk right around that berm and um so it kind of screens you from you know, as people arrive, uh, you don't get headlights sweeping across it. Beautiful. Well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you checking this out, Shane? It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I'm impressed. Uh, I would observe observe there a lot. <laughs> yeah, but for the drive. It's... Yeah, yeah, that's always the kicker, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had a few sites around here that, you know, Chris and I have gone to, and um, they're wonderful sites, but the one was probably a, about a 90-minute drive or, you know, give or take, and it's not so bad going there, but at the end of the night when you have to come home and you're tired and uh, so uh, we don't do that anymore. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. We had some good sessions though. Mm -hmm. I got my own dark site now. So I just go there. I need to put a cement pad like that in front of it. And then Shane can set up his telescope on it. Mm -hmm. Very nice. All right. Let's talk about some books. Can you tell us about the origins uh, of your love for books? Well, I was lucky to be raised by readers, you know, parents and grandparents that um, they knew this. You cannot spoil a child with too many books. Um, and uh, they they modeled reading as a as a pastime. Um, everyone in the house, my, my older brothers, everyone always had a book or two going. And, you know, long after we were reading to ourselves, there were sort of serial read-alouds we'd you know, over over a month or two, we'd read a mom or dad would read a, a book out loud to us before bedtime. Uh, it's just it's just always part of my life. Um, Did you have any favorite books uh, at that age? Uh, yeah, so I I don't know why it took me until uh, my late forties to get into astronomy. My my first favorite author was H.A. Ray. I was a curious George oh, wow. as, a, as a preschooler. And, and I missed, I missed, you know, know the constellations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, uh, the stars, a new way to see them. You know, great, great books. And I, my first favorite author who wrote them. I didn't, I never, I never knew. <laughs> uh, there, you know, other favorite influential books throughout my life. Uh, uh, was always into popular science and science fiction. So, uh, there's another, another way I was primed for the hobby. But. Nice. 
And tell us about because uh, I, I find it's I find bookstores so fascinating. I uh, I've spent an awful lot of time in independent bookstores, as, as people will not uh, be surprised about at all. Um, I when I lived in Ontario, I found out that there were two bookstores within a very short walk of my workplace. And uh, this is not a word of a lie. I went to each of those bookstores virtually every single noon hour. I would go for a walk and I would stop in because they carried some new titles. Um, the bookstores were like sort of one third new titles. And then the rest was kind of like they would do like a lot of trade-ins and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're probably familiar with this, that's how this we do it. Yeah. business model. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's the way to do it. And they would just have scads of piles of books in there to go through, like unbelievable, like volumes. And it took a lot of digging over the years, but I gradually ferreted out all the astronomy books and like literally one third of my collection is from there. And some of the finds can just be uh, absolutely amazing. So you you folks do the same thing with uh uh, selling a lot of used as well as new titles, yeah, I guess. Yeah, new and used. Oh. Yeah, very cool. Did you have a bookstore mentor? Like, how did you get into owning a bookstore and running a bookstore? Like, what was what was that process like for you? Yeah, uh, Joyce Moore is my mentor. She was a um, family friend from from childhood, and um, she had um, she didn't start the bookstore. Uh, I was a guy named Gary Carden, um, he had it only about a year and a half before um, Joyce bought it. We, let's see. Yeah, this this week we celebrate our 39th anniversary. Of, wow, congratulations. The yeah. store was open. But Joyce had it for about 23 and a half years, and um, she hired me in 97. Holy cow. Um, um, I was uh, figuring out I wasn't – didn't have a vocation for being a paramedic and uh, was thinking about library school and she, she diverted me to book selling. Um, nice. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good, good home. Um, she, she sold me the shop in 2010. So yeah, Very. it's been good to have, can still call on her when I need uh, some advice. Nice. Just a sympathetic nice. ear. Yeah. Very nice. And do you get a lot of uh, regulars and people from the university? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that would be like your main. Yeah, traffic. yeah. We're about five miles from Western Carolina University, and uh, so we see. A, yeah, we see a lot of students, faculty, staff from there, visitors to the to the area. A lot of a lot of folks have a um, second home here. So yeah, strong connections to Florida through the. In Georgia, the second home market. Yeah, that's really cool because it's it's one of those things that that sometimes people don't think as much about when they're heading up, you know, to their cabin or or whatever. But I know that happens to us quite a bit. Not me because I have my own library. Um, but uh, but my my spouse she wants to uh, you know get a book or something. So people have kind of set up their own like mini little libraries outside of like their, their cabins and stuff like that, yeah. but there's, there's not like a bookstore or anything, but you, you, I could totally see how that would work. It's a nice fit because people often get up there and then they want to just get a book and relax and read. But that was like the last thing from their mind when they were kind of in the hustle and bustle. We, we have so many 
you know, books that we've, you know, she just picked up at like the airport or something just because it was the last thing that we were thinking of when we were packing for the trip or, you know, couldn't quite find something she wanted to read on the, on the iPad. I don't read any books digitally. 99.9% of my reading is analog. So <laughs> good for you. Well, yeah, good stuff. I was, yeah. I can show you an example of that later. I should have shown you at the start. So let's see. Um, let's talk about some some books. Um, you, you we we went back and forth a bit, Chris. Thank you so much for making some detailed notes. It was it was so nice to get these. And usually I'm I'm in a mad rush to kind of get things done right before the show. And then it it I'll tell you 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 really um, made my week because I was able to go out and spend the whole day with Rebecca yesterday instead of uh, thinking about what we're going to talk about on this podcast. But you mentioned uh, some memoirs, biographies, histories of astronomers and uh, observatories. Uh, What are some of the titles that that you've enjoyed and could recommend to, to our listeners? Yeah. um, um, I guess this first bunch has a lot to do with sort of the history of maybe professional astronomers. Um, one that a fellow bookseller here in town um, actually gave me, um, thank you, Harry, was um, Arthur Kessler's The Sleepwalkers. Um, uh, Sort of shows how science can move, astronomy has moved in in fits and starts and and some big backward loops. Um, So it's, you know, starts with Pythagoras and and the Greeks and and really, um, really nicely flushes out the Copernican revolution and um, Tycho Brahe and uh, Kepler. Um, so, so sort of shows how, at least in the West, we got stuck with this geocentric model for about 1500 years. Um, and, and good, good writing. Um, he, he was known for a, was it darkness at noon? I think, but uh, th- this is excellent, excellent history of astronomy. Cool. Um, What's next? Uh, uh, Thomas Kuhn, the structure of scientific revolutions. Uh, another one is not. This one's even less. It's not specific to astronomy, really, but talks a lot about astronomy um, and how how it can move in um, in sort of erratic. Uh, fits and starts um for a history specific to astronomy really the only one i've read i think is um besides kessler's is and that that great uh, series you probably know at the very short introductions that oxford university press does there they've got little little book on anything you can imagine oh probably dozens that would fall under astronomy but their um, history of astronomy by uh Michael Hoskin is a good kind of uh, pocket overview. Um, I've heard that the Weaver and Mott's The Story of Astronomy is quite good, but I, I've got it on my shelf, but I haven't read it yet. Mm. Um, I like that Dava Sobel one that you put in oh, here, too. Yeah, That's, she's I, great. Yeah, uh, that one's I, really good. Uh, Longitude. Uh, i got to recommend that one, too, uh, to everyone. It's... Uh, in which you know a watchmaker sort of beats out the astronomers in that one, but uh, despite that, it's a, it's a we'll give it to them this once. Yeah, it's, it's a good read. But yeah, her her book those horologers they get us every time. That's and... right. That's right. <laughs> um, no, her book, the planets, I, and another one I want to read of hers is the 
what is the glass universe about the uh, yeah the, computers uh, yes that one is yeah that's the the most recent one that i've read it's awesome actually i should it should admit this is that um just because i was traveling end up listening to it on audiobook which was yeah. kind of the first time i i did that and you know what though i i really need to stick to paperbacks because I had to go back so many times and re-listen. Yeah, rewind. Yeah. 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 I much prefer, yeah, just to sit with the book. So I, yeah. I'll probably uh, get a copy of the book at some point and read it because the content was was amazing. And then I wanted to go back and and get some of those specific points because it was recommended to me by a listener. And um, and then, of course, it was like impossible to find them in the audiobook. So I yeah. got to pick that one up too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And then you've got the uh, Leslie C. Belche book. Yeah, Starlight Nights, um, The Adventures of a Stargazer. Those are those are great, uh, great pieces that really capture. Um, uh, this one's maybe a little truer to the amateur experience in a way um, uh, than some of these others. Uh, re- definitely recommend. Uh, I think I m- mentioned uh, one of his others elsewhere, but for for just reading a good narrative, that that Starlight Nights is a is a classic. Um, I, I've got a few here that are more about big scopes. Um, the Perfect Machine, a club member uh, mentioned this one, Ronald Florence, The Perfect Machine, The Building of the Palomar Telescope. Yeah, um, that's good. I have that one. That That's an excellent read. Get get, yeah. to, get some of the backstory with, um, is it pronounced Yerks or Yerkes? How do you, that one in Chicago? I've heard it both ways, so um, you're, you're good either way. Um, sort of starts there and goes through Mount Wilson, a little bit on the Lick Observatory, and it's all sort of a build-up to the 200-inch Mount Palomar. Um, um, Robert Zimmerman's The Universe in a Mirror, um, the saga of the Hubble Space Telescope and the visionaries who built it. It um, it takes us into the modern era of, uh, of space telescopes. Um, and then, oh, this this one's really good. Emily Levesque, uh, I guess you could say, The Last Stargazers, The Enduring Story of Astronomy's Vanishing Explorers. She just, just talks about her own experiences um, and, and those of colleagues that she's collected. Um, basically, adventures at, at the big observatories and from a, from a time when astronomers still went up on the mountaintops to, to get their own data. Um, I guess nowadays you can just wait for the email to arrive and sit at home and see what they got you on the, on the observing run that you, you uh, applied for. But um, she's, she's young, but I think started, started when it was still typical to, to go, go to the observatory and, you know, wildlife encounters and, uh, uh all, all kinds of fun stories in there. Um, and one, I, I, one you mentioned uh, recently, Chris, that I want to um, want to read as soon as my copy arrives is the uh, Barnard bio. Is that the uh, the Immortal Fire Within? Is that yes, yeah, by William Sheehan. Yeah, I want to. Looking forward to that one. So. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to get a couple of my notes here lined up. I. Yeah, it's one of those things is uh, one of the ones that I, I should have put some of my notes in here. I have, I have two books that I would have added to the list of narratives. Um, this one's pretty good. 
yeah, this one's pretty good. Uh, not sure about the title. I, people have to keep in mind that these are older titles. Um, is Blind Watchers of the Sky with by Rocky Kolb. It's pretty good. Kolb? Uh, K-O-L-B. And then I feel like you, you may even have it there. Somebody may have brought that in. That was like a super popular book, like in the 90s, I think, if I'm recalling correctly. And then um, sort of one of the seminal references is Seeing in the Dark by Timothy Ferris. Have you have you had a chance to take a read of that one? I think you'll love that one if you haven't. Uh, no, I will track them down. Yeah, that Ferris, one. Ferris, really... F-E-R-R-I-S. Like yeah, and yeah, Timothy Ferris, he's... He's written uh, quite a few books. I, I've read a couple of them. That's sort of the best narrative that one of the better narratives that I've that I've run across there. And uh, yeah, Shane, did you have any to kind of add to that little list there? Or? No, the only one that I think I would have mentioned maybe was um, Timothy Ferris. I'm, I'm trying to think. There's um, there's another book of his that I've read. It's not Turn Left, but. Maybe I'll uh, I'll do some searching here and see if I can find it. I, I forget the title. Um, there's also a book I read of I think it was just called Moons, and I forget the author, but it was uh, uh, a, just a wonderful book about our the moons of our solar system. Um, and I I really enjoyed that because uh, similar to you, Chris, you know I, I do enjoy a lot of the solar system observing. There's so much to see and to actually be able to observe movement at the eyepiece is something that I'm always fascinated with. So that, that book resonates a little bit with me as well. Mm -hmm. So Chris, what are some popular books on planetary science, astrophysics, cosmology, uh, that are high up on your must reads list? Um, well, uh, Mike Brown's book with the provocative title, How I Killed Pluto and Why It Had It Coming. That's <laughs> uh, a fun read. Um, uh, Adam Frank's recent book, The Little, little Book of Aliens. Is Never good. heard of that one. It, it just came out uh, last fall. It's a good uh, good overview of sort of exobiology, um, you know, still largely theoretical, entirely theoretical. Um, yeah. And... You know, just it's a fun, fun overview. Uh, with this, uh, somewhat skeptical uh, uh, eye toward the, at least towards the possibility that anyone's crossed uh, the reaches of outer space to visit us. Anyway, mm. um, uh, under alien skies, uh, Philip Plate, a sightseer's guide to the universe, is the subtitle, and that sort of. Um, it it's um sort of imagines like if you could be at some convenient remove and see see some of these deep sky objects that we um or or exoplanets perhaps if you could uh if you could see them um uh, what what would it be like um so it's sort of written like a travel travel guide um i ate a subway sandwich once with phil plate oh yeah <laughs> fun, fun person to chat with i imagine yeah <laughs> let's see becky smethurst uh brief history of black holes i never heard of that one yeah. i, I want to read this one because there's not as much out there on approachable content on black holes it turns out yeah uh, uh sort of their corollary uh white holes carlo rovelli's latest okay. is, is white holes and i think a lot of that went over my head okay yeah um, not as approachable 
No, uh, he's fun. Uh, he he doesn't. Um, he he's a fun read. I, I love his Helgeland. That was a good one, but not. That's a little more on the quantum realms and less less to do with astrophysics. Um, another just breezy fun one, uh, Moya McTire, McTeer, um, The Milky Way, an autobiography of our galaxy, sort of personifies the, um, the Milky Way galaxy. She is, um, um, what do they call it, a galactic archaeology, you know, sort of lo- looking at... Uh, how how galaxies merge and change over time um so you know she talks about this um our intended the andromeda galaxy and uh it's fun you know something i maybe should just mention for housekeeping at the start of the podcast uh i think we'll post these show notes to our website we don't always post show notes but if there's good reference material uh we do and i think you know just uh, this, uh, the list of all of these books, as well as the correct spelling of the authors, I think, uh, people will appreciate. So, uh, for anybody that's maybe missed one of the names or whatever, you can just check it out at actualastronomy.com and we'll list all of this there. Right. Just looking up a couple things here, just to try to get things, uh, things straight in my, in my, uh, off the cuff remarks. Um, one book, if this this is a an old book, but this is a goodie, is uh, the Milky Way by Bart Bach and Priscilla Bach. Has okay. has been? Have you you've heard of this? You're nodding. Have you read this yet? I have not. No. Th- this is a good book. I have a copy of this, like an original copy of it on my shelf. Yeah, this is really good. I should have. It's too bad I'm not sitting in my library because I have to record up in my room. But my library's downstairs. Um, there's a, there's a lot, there's a, we could do, we could just go forever. Like literally if I was sitting down there, this would be it. We would just, oh, here's another book. Yeah. Here's another book. Cause I have like, I think I have six or 700 titles now. Something yeah. Like it's that. a rich vein. There's a, there's a Ooh. lot written on There's a lot, but, but speaking of rich veins, you, you introduced me to, I gotta, I gotta get a couple of these. One of them I'd heard of a couple of them ahead, but you mentioned some, some, poems or some poetry and you you listed uh three titles here yeah th- actually this this was sort of a that, that section was sort of a side trip into literature including poetry um um benjamin labatu l-a-b-a-t-u-t yeah uh again maybe more in the realm of physics but when we cease to understand the world uh Incredible book that sort of um, tracks the, I don't know, the the thin line between scientific genius and insanity, maybe. Uh, has a lot of kind of psychobiography that blends into a sort of a novel, but it's it's a little hard to know where the, where the nonfiction leaves off and the fiction begins. But uh, anyway... Worth mentioning, Kim Stanley Robinson's science fiction, um, a different one for him, a little more speculative, is that Galileo's Dream. That's that's a good one. Um, and Tracy K. Smith, Life on Mars, is a poetry collection. She's a past poet laureate of the United States. Oh. And her dad was uh, uh, worked on the Hubble in the early days. 
is uh, is an engineer, I believe. That's a that's a fun collection. Did you? Is there like a passage or anything? I know I mentioned that when we were just chatting back and forth. You don't don't feel the pressure to read I, anything. I've got anything, but... I've got one out of uh, this is I found in the um, Cambridge has a series of of poetry anthologies called One Hundred Poems, and one of one of them is Outer Space One Hundred Poems. Okay. Uh, Midge. Oh gosh. Um, Midge Goldberg is the editor. Okay. There's one uh, just short short piece by Catherine Chandler that references a an image that I bet everyone's seen, um, the Flammarion woodcut. Oh yes. Um fairly recent woodcut, you know, late nineteenth century, but it's since then it's popped up everywhere. Um it shows a the guy looking man, under the carpet kind of thing. Of yeah, the man yeah, kneeling yeah, yeah. at the place where the earth Meets the sky. He's looking through to a love that. clouds, yeah. fire, suns, and a double wheel, uh, sort of a mechanism. Um, so uh, Chandler has uh, this short piece, the Flammarion Woodcut Pilgrim Redux. He scans the sky and wonders if the Hubble will burst or not. The quintessential bubble, plotting new data on a deep field chart light years removed from any human heart <laughs> nice mm-hmm. it's a good collection it, it's um uh, huge span of time from ancient poets all the way through to uh, very recent ones you're looking for just a little a uh, little taste of astronomy and not uh, not wanting to get um too much into technical stuff this is a good good break oh i sh- oh here i got one for you <laughs> i mean now i feel like this is just like a game of uh, book tennis at this, this point is great <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is a good one. i have on my shelf um and i see that we're actually selling it through the resc bookstore for 40 percent off uh, mine is signed, though, to me by Peter Broughton, who's the author. R. Peter Broughton is the author. And it's called Northern Star. But uh, It's a book about J.S. Plaskett, P-L-A-S-K-E-T-T. And uh, anyway, he was the preeminent astronomer in the uh, first half of the 20th century uh, here in Canada and uh, found at the uh, observatory there in British Columbia. So. Anyway, nice. that, that's a neat book. We were talking about ones on telescopes before, but that's the Dominion. Anyway, pe- people can look that one up too. It won't take us too far down that rabbit hole, but yeah, Peter's a pretty good writer and yeah, I've been on committees with him. So I know him a little bit and was excited when he wrote that and picked up a copy. Cool. All right. Uh, let's go on to uh, some good reference books. This is kind of like just gets better and better. I feel I'm really enjoying this. Chris It's a lot of fun for me. I feel like I'm, uh, this is like the, like really like a guilty pleasure podcast for me in many ways. So, <laughs> and now I keep thinking about all these other books on my bookshelf. We'll have to, we'll have to do a, a revisit at some point in time and Sounds good. I'll, yeah, I'll grab some of those, but, uh, yeah. What are some, uh, some books about, uh, you know, reference books that, uh, some of our most skilled practitioners of astronomy yeah, have, have I, think, uh, I think some of these folks are just they've got good writing that they work into uh something you can use as a reference but there's just some wonderful passages in there um 
Leslie Leslie C. Peltier's Guidepost to the Stars. Haven't actually read that one. Yeah, it's it's good for maybe more naked eye, you know, just learning the sky, um, what's going to be popping up in the evening uh, throughout the year. Um, Walter Scotty Houston, I, uh, he was writing, um, was it Sky and Telescope? Yep. Uh, uh, before, before. Before it was Sky and Telescope, and then it became Sky and Telescope. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he he was a his profession was, uh, was English teacher and editor. So it's not surprising that he had a, a gift for writing. Um, I know him mainly with um, the Bound collection that Stephen James O'Meara mm-hmm. pulled together um, of um, his his Deep Sky Wonders columns as edited by O'Meara. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Omira's own own books, uh, the Messier objects, uh, is, is the one I've used. Um, Shane, I think I've heard you mention this. Uh, is it hidden treasures? Hidden treasures. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I need that, to. I, I got to get that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all of them, and and uh, I'm really enjoying working through his hidden treasures. Like, there, those are some fantastic objects. It's been fun so far. Yeah, yeah. He's he's quite an observer. Mm-hmm. He did one for the uh, Southern Hemisphere as well. It's rather extensive. Um, I bought a copy of that and read it when I thought it was going to New Zealand. That would be uh, probably the best thing to read if you're going to go to the Southern Hemisphere. I think that's actually one of the best in in his series. Um, they're all pretty good, though, because he did the Messier. He did the Caldwell Objects. Um, I have both the original and the second edition, which came out only a few years ago. The second edition, I have to admit, um, is a little bit better just the way they did it. Then he did the, what else? The Hidden Treasures, the Secret Deep, and uh, yeah, then the Southern Sky Objects, I think was the most recent. So yeah, anyway, he's got other books too. Those are just- Oh yeah, yeah, he's prolific. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And you listed Sue French's- Yeah, just continuing the- the, um, Deep Sky Wonders. Her, I guess she picked up the column, and, uh, and um, her, her her books really, really wonderful. Yeah. Um, then I'm hoping that Howard Bannett will give us a book. Uh, he's got a good start on it with his just collected what the columns he's done so far. He'd have a good start on it. I think so. I would. Yeah. There's see. There's a group of people. And I cut out their articles. I have like an accordion folder here that I put all my favorite articles in. But I would love to see a compendium of like Howard Banage, Alan Whitman, Mel Bartles has written a few. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a group of individuals and they each bring like excellent writing, sketches, um, interesting storytelling. Like they just have the trifecta, right? And it's... Yep. I, I think Sky and Telescope could really do something with that. Um, maybe maybe they will, or maybe as individuals, they they could do it. I'll mention it to Howard. I talk to him from time to time, and he's just a really wonderful um, listener because I always am so surprised when Howard Banich writes and says, oh, I was listening to your show. And it's like, I can't believe Howard Banich listens to her anyway, but uh, it's a lot We're of, it's a lot of fun. We want a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We want a book. That's what we want. Howard. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool um, that there are people out there that are sketching and writing and it, it, there's just something about it. I, I think that it really, 
it, it there really is something quintessential to their process, which speaks to the amateur. I, I don't have a 28 or 30 or whatever it is inch telescope like Howard has, but it still speaks to me. It speaks to me for getting out with my own instrument. It makes me want to go and observe. You know, it's like some of the stuff I always think it's like when I was a younger person, I used to like to buy, you know, um, those magazines with like a Ferrari on the front, but like, I never want to buy a Ferrari, but it was still fun to read the articles. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, it's kind of like that. All right. What are some uh, useful books that people should consider? Oh, um, thanks to you guys for turning me on to some, some classics here. Uh, Burnham's celestial handbook in three volumes. Um, great, great reference. Um, don't always use it for planning. Sometimes it's when I come back in and say, what? What was that? What was I looking at? Um, Night Watch, of course. Um, the late Dickinson, I guess the fifth edition just came out after just after he passed. So Yeah, I, bought, I have a copy that I bought from his co-author, Alan Dyer. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope uh, Alan continues to keep that I, yeah, updated. I the fifth edition should serve us well for... Years Number to come. Of years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Harrington's touring the universe through binoculars. That's the main one I've I've used for as a binocular reference. Um, mm -hmm. Looked at the Patrick Moore, but uh, I think you've mentioned one of you guys has mentioned another one that you find helpful, um, specific to binoculars. But oh, uh, touring the universe. There's touring the universe through binoculars by Phil Harrington. Yeah, that's um, the one I've. Yeah, or tuba, as people lovingly refer to it. it oh, yeah. It's pretty good. And then there's the um, Craig Crossan book, which is my my favorite, although like they're both very different books, where I own both, um, which is just binocular astronomy. And I always feel like binocular astronomy, and, and no offense to the author or anybody, but I always feel like the cover of that book makes it look more like a children's book, but then the content is, is more like... Um, not you know it's not really approachable for children it's uh just because of the uh it, it's it's a fascinating book because it gives like an overview of all the seasons but then he like in in a way that is that is almost like a reference to uh, burnham's celestial handbook he talks about some of like the ancient egyptian history and even has like hieroglyphics printed in the book have you had a chance to uh take a look at binocular astronomy by craig crossan i've not yet yeah, yeah, that would be. I think you will like. No, you will love that book. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if if you don't, I will just buy the book from you, and we can send it to a listener or something. I don't know, but <laughs> I think I think that's one for the shelf for sure. Yeah, we'll get it in. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, uh, what else? Hit hills. That portfolio of lunar drawings. Oh yeah, those are. Wow, there was it stippled or something. It's it. It's not. Uh, not done at the eyepiece, clearly, but boy, they're lovely, lovely. Do you have that one, Shane? I do not. No. no. Oh, I, I thought. You, uh, I thought. I thought you I did. Maybe had learned about that one from you. Oh, oh, might have been. Maybe it's Dave Chapman that talked about it. Maybe I, so. Somebody talked. I was about thinking it. I'd heard about it on the show. I thought it was Shane who introduced me to that one, but somebody talked about it. It's the portfolio of lunar drawings. Lunar drawings. Yeah, somebody was. Well, is that? Is that it? Uh, was he an English person like uh, yeah, the UK? I, think so. I, think I, so. I do have that one. I apologize. Yeah, it's um, 
I think Phil from the UK uh, got us onto that one. Yeah. It was uh, recently reprinted or released. I can't remember, but something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, you know, if if you're a lunar aficionado, uh, that's sort of a unique book to add to the collection because I don't think there's anything quite like that one. That one and um, I listed elsewhere here, but the, is it Ruckel or Ruckel? Ruckels. Yeah. Ruckels. That's a great, great Alice. Mm -hmm. Antoine Ruck. Oh, so you have to go through and oh, now I'm just like really getting into it, but you have to go and just look him up and there's other books that he worked on. Um, I have one downstairs. I was reading it this week. I think it's just called the Atlas of the universe. Again, the title isn't amazing. It's storm Dunlop, Will Tieran and Ruck. Oh, wow. Think and uh, it's well, it's well, well done. And I got it for like it's a book that's out of print, I think, or, mm -hmm. so, or it's one of those books that comes in and out of print. And uh, it's just an incredible book. And I think I bought it for like five dollars or six dollars with shipping included, or it was just it was so inexpensive. And it's just an Steve. awesome book, yeah. Um, what else do we got? Uh, what's, what's handy at your desk, Chris? Yeah. So my, my desk references are, um, from the a really good, uh, element in the Peterson field guide series, uh, um, Pashoff, is it? Pashoff. Pashoff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the field guide to stars and planets, just a, a handy little reference. Uh, yeah. Jay Pashoff. Uh, then, uh, Mitten, M-I-T-T-O-N, a uh, concise dictionary. Oops, sorry about that. Yep. Concise dictionary of astronomy. Um, uh, and then a couple near and dear to you all. Th thank you, Canada, for giving us uh, Edgar's uh, RISC Observer's Handbook. I've got the, the USA edition, 2024. Boy, that's packed with some good good information there you go your your five dollars is in the mail <laughs> <laughs> well uh then there's there's uh, a calendar edited by oh yeah, there's <laughs> thing. yes that's it's, a good one um, yes and and i am i have recruited volunteers so it will not just be my sole production anymore because i've decided not to be an astronomy author <laughs> I like uh, you podcasts. <laughs> some, some good references from the RASC. So thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for, for that as well. Um, we've got a few atlases then we've talked about atlases before um, and we're getting uh, towards the end of our, of our time, Chris, but uh, I'm just curious what, uh, what have, what have you been reading this week? Um, you know, sort of what's on your bedside table. What's, what's on your chart table, you know? Yeah. What are you reading right now? Oh, well, um, uh, Oh gosh, the um, the moon. Oh, I have to look it up here. It's a new one. Oil's name, I think. Uh, I'm sorry. While, while you're looking for it, there, Patrick Moore on the moon is. Oh yeah, uh, mm -hmm. is that's pretty good. I like that one. Yep. Um, we re reference Ruckel's lunar atlas. That's uh, that's a nice book. I have a photographic atlas of the moon. Strangely enough, I'm not that much of a lunar observer, but. Uh, I have all these uh, references. Is that the Cambridge photographic Alice of the Moon? That's it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, At the RESC, we have the Explore the Moon program, which is a really interesting and unique program. I think you can download all the materials and print them off in a PDF for free, too. 
So people can just go to rasc.ca observing to check that out. Um, let's see. Our Moon by um, Rebecca Boyle. Oh, it's yeah. I just haven't read out. it. Heard um, it. Yeah. Is that new? Yeah, it just came yeah. out uh, here anyway. It's, a lot of books are simultaneous releases in, in Canada, I think. Uh, this one's, yeah, it's Random House, so I bet it's yeah. on the shelves up there. Yeah. Very cool. What are you reading these days, Shane? Or, or are you just uh, getting mm. too, too excited for the uh, Taylor Swift uh, football <laughs> program today? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in between books, but none of them have to do with astronomy. So okay, yeah, <laughs> it's good to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I was reading the Immortal Fire Within very very slowly because I'm I'm reading five four or five books kind of at the same time. But most most of the stuff that I do is just astronomy. So yeah, I, I've been just picking away at the Immortal Fire Within um, and reading again for the probably 500th time uh, deep sky wonders by Walter Scott Houston. Like that's actually what I'm reading at bed before night. And I usually read, I usually read an hour before bed. Now that's what I've been doing this year is reading an hour before I go to bed and then reading once I get to bed. And so I've been reading, this is like an interesting project I've been working on is I've been reading the, um, Atlas of the, a photographic Atlas of the Milky way is interpreted by Dobeck. Um, which came out by Cambridge. I don't know if it's still in press, but it's it's an amazing text. And it, it includes um, sort of a re-edited version of E.E. Uh, e. Barnard's uh, Photographic Atlas of the Milky Way. It's, it's truly remarkable. And then he's picked the best photographic plates to take copies of and to print in, in this book. It's a pretty big book. Nice. It looks like a coffee table book. Have you ever seen that? No, no. That's, yeah. Happen. Yeah, it was printed in 2009. And so what I've been doing, what I've been doing with that, I don't know if I can share it or not, because I was, I sent one to Mike here last night. We'll see if I can share my screen. So here I can actually, yeah, I can actually show this, I think, because we are getting towards the end of our show, but this is, this is a lot of fun for me. This, this show is as much for me as listeners. My apologies, Shane. All right. So Uh, I uh, I knew, yeah, I knew you would be excited for this one. Oh yeah. This, this is my sketching there. Nice. This is my wheelhouse. So, so what, what I'm doing for practice, um, is I'm actually creating reproductions of E.E. Barnard's photographic Atlas of the Milky Way using my tools. Yeah, that's great based on his uh, photographs. So this is the actual, and this is pretty big as, as you can see, this is like half of my kitchen table is taken up with, with this and I've kind of got it propped up there, but uh, I'm not drawing every single star, but uh, you know, trying to give a fairly accurate portrayal. Get the field there. Down, yeah. yeah. Get the field down. Exactly. Exactly. Plus I'm, I'm drawing and his are photographs, but yeah, yeah, it's my own kind of, I can see all my mistakes, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I've been kind of cool. using a book for. It's amazing what you can use a book for these days. <laughs> Reliable technology, though. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. You never have to charge it. It's yeah. great. Very, very good. Well, Chris, we're kind of getting to uh, to the end of our time. Do we? Do we? I mean, I was going to say, do we miss anything? There is like another 
two pages of notes i think <laughs> and and i didn't even put hardly any of my notes in there so my apologies to the listeners that that's not in there i also have a giant planisphere here um that alistair ling has given me but we've got one to give away from you to one of our patreon listeners do you want to tell us a little bit about this uh, planisphere yeah this is a uh, uh, what is it i think about 40 some centimeters across uh, generous proportions um it's from um it's the messier observers planisphere although a good good general purpose planisphere but um tailored for for folks working on the messier list it's from celestial teapot designs um it's got the main the main window uh, of the disc um and then um around the margins you know what would be under the horizon on the on the front of the planisphere you've got an andromeda locator chart m75 m55 m95 96 105 one for uh 65 and 66 the the, the triplet there um and uh m17 18 and 24 then on the back you've got a big uh a big disc maybe six uh six eight inches across for the virgo cluster um i'm i'm i've ticked those all off but with the go-to i can't i can't claim those yet because i haven't <laughs> i haven't tracked them down um uh hopping um Cool. Yeah. All cool. right. So how how do we want to give this away? Do we just want to do like a random driver Patreon supporter, Shane, and then we'll get the deets to uh, Chris? Yeah, yeah, we could do that. And uh, if I look distracted at the start of the podcast, it was because I was downloading our current list and uh, oh. I have a name of a winner. Oh, we can even announce it right now. Oh, there we go. <laughs> wow. It's like just like magic here. Yeah. On the actual yeah, astronomy yeah. podcast. Go for it. Let's do it. All right. So. The winner of the planisphere is Matthew. Um, and I, I think the last name might be Ruder. Uh, not too sure. Regardless, uh, Matthew, we will shoot you an email uh, just to connect and get your mailing address. And then we'll pass that along to Chris here. And uh, you have probably the world's finest planisphere because I've never seen one that nice. It looks awesome. This is awesome. This is super cool. And thank you, Matthew, for being a Patreon supporter that's uh, one of the advantages of having patreon supporters is we've kind of got all this stuff right there so we can both uh have a donation from a listener like chris and do a draw all in the same go without uh us uh working too much at this podcast because we just do it for fun <laughs> this has been awesome chris yes. i've no, i've had so much fun i think that i want to do this again sometime but you know when i when we do it again i want to do it um when i have more of my books around me one way or, or another and uh yeah i mean if you're if you're up for it sometime or even just if we don't do a podcast we'll just talk okay. <laughs> i want to see your, at least the catalog uh, from your from your library so yeah exactly yeah good stuff yeah i love the all the books in the background it's just brilliant. oh it's a mess in this office I'm it's sorry. beautiful no this, <laughs> this is how life should be not everything should be like organized like my you should see my office here is a disaster but uh yeah it was this was a lot of fun um but did we miss anything that you wanted to touch on before we bid you farewell shane did i miss anything here uh, well, I'll just say thank you very much, Chris, not just for, uh, the conversation, but for the planosphere 
And in hindsight, this is one of these episodes, we should have put a PSA out at the very start to say, if you listen to this episode, you're probably going to go off and spend some money. (laughs) And and we do get emails sort of, you know, with the wagging fist of you guys, you're, you're emptying my bank account. And (laughs) I think a number of listeners are are going to be buying some books after this one. Exactly. Exactly. But there's worse things. And if somebody is driving by Silva, North Carolina, they should go in and buy a book from Chris because, you know, this is just uh, really sort of like a hobby part of your business, I think, really is what it boils down to. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I would go in just to see that Quest Star. That would be pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. It's been fun. Thank you. And thanks for doing the podcast. Great, great stuff. Good stuff. And thanks to everybody for listening. If you want to send in your show ideas, observations, or questions, send them to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. 